Amen. All right. Well, here we are, midweek, and uh, just here to get refreshed and uh, <clears throat> just sit at the Lord's feet, just take in. That's what we're here to do. And uh, in fact, earlier it was uh, it was pretty neat. I was I was um, just kind of thumbing through Facebook, and I came across a live feed from uh, Calvary Chapel of Smoky Mountain. Where is that? And uncle, right there. <laughs> but uh, Pastor Lance, you guys know, uh, most of you know Pastor Lance, if not all of you. And, uh, but, <laughs> so I just caught the very end. Uh, they were singing, apparently, the closing song. And so I went in there checking in from SoCal. And, um, but I, I didn't catch any of his message, unfortunately. But uh, anyway, it's, it's neat how the Lord's working throughout the world. You know, and how we can go from that um, to here this evening. Um, at any given time, for the most part, we can get the Word of God, whether we tune, tune in to a radio station or we go on a podcast. or It's just the, the Word of God is, is out there in abundance in today's day and age. And, uh, and we can use technology to do that very thing. So um, we know that there's much... Um, before so, as far as our, you know, just bringing it back to here in Southern California, there's been much devastation uh, with the fires and things that have been happening. Uh, I was also, uh, as I was thumbing through Facebook, I came across a post uh, in which was identifying a, a certain issue uh, with one of our local schools. And apparently fights have been breaking out at the tune of like four, five, six a day. Um, and so what this school decided to do was, um, was instead, because I was talking to Isaiah about it, and he says, oh, yeah, they, they, uh, sometimes there's what like they call fight week or something, like, or they call it that because of so many fights that, that go on, not at his school, but at the school that he was uh, going to prior. And instead of, um, not that they won't give them, you know, uh, detentions and uh, suspend, them, suspend them and all of that, but they're also, what they're doing is they're pepper spraying. And I thought, no, oh, that's, that's great, pepper spraying. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Have you ever been pepper sprayed? Yeah? yeah? Why? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh-huh. Tra- training? Okay, all right. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding, yeah. I'm sure it was training. <laughs> I was just playing. Oh, man. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> anyway, if you've ever been pepper sprayed, um, you know that it is not a good feeling. You don't feel good for, for quite some time. And so, yeah, you know, pepper spray. But there's, that's what we have, though, in, to, in our world today. There, there's a, there are... The days are getting darker. Um, the days are getting more and more evil. And, um, and so we need to pray. We need to keep praying. But just in this darkness, we need to keep proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and seeing more people led to the Lord. And, um, you know, I just uh, saw a testimony today. And uh, just a wonderful testimony of, of the work that the Lord uh, has done and is doing in the life of Karen's son, Jeremy. And uh, so just, just wonderful. And that's, that's what I'm getting at is that as we look around, we have these memorial stones, so to speak, that we can look to and see God's faithfulness. 
And even though we are faithless, he is faithful and he cannot deny himself. And so that's what's wonderful about him. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's consistent. He's constant. And uh, we can always look to, to him at any given time. Uh, that's what we're going to take a look at this evening, how it is that God's word has come to fruition uh, in the life of the Israelites, bringing them into the promised land. And uh, that's crossing their Jordan. And they literally crossed the Jordan for us. Uh, the Jordan can represent um, very difficult obstacles in our own lives, things that seem impossible to cross, but with the Lord leading and guiding and, and us uh, really consecrating us, ourselves unto Him, um, He gets us across those uh, seemingly impossible situations and moments um, like no one else can and like we can't in our own strength. And so I pray that we are encouraged this evening as we take a look at Joshua. Uh, we're going to take a look at two chapters, chapter 3 and 4, because this all together is where the Israelites uh, prior to and after they cross the Jordan, we'll see how it is that they do that and what they do. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this evening, for this time that you've given to us to study your word. And I pray, Father, that, um, Lord, you would prepare the student right now. Each and every one of us, I pray, Lord, that you would, um, Lord, help us to stay focused on you, to um, really not allow any, anything outside of our time with you uh, to be a distraction. And, uh, and Lord, that uh, we would be open and willing to hear whatever it is that you have to say to us. Um, and so, Father, we commit this evening into your hands, Lord, this time of study, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we saw how Rahab, um, she demonstrated her faith and how it was uh, by her faith that uh, not only was she spared her life, uh, but also that of her family. The spies had left and between them leaving Jericho, coming back and giving the report to Joshua and, then, and, and them going back to Jericho is what we have before us this, morning, this evening. Um, we know that they go back and they actually conquer Jericho. We're going to take a look at that in the coming weeks. But this evening, I pray that we understand just how faithful God is. Just as I said earlier, we need to always have him before us. You know, just really keeping him in mind. It's amazing how if we, if we do that very thing, the, like we're conscious, we're deliberate about, we insist on uh, thinking about God's faithfulness and keeping that before us, how it gets us through so many situations, helps us through. And as we do desire to bless Him, to glorify Him, how it is that that helps us to make the right decisions at moments that uh, we most need His wisdom. But He's faithful. He's a faithful, faithful God, and what He says is certain. Even if the obstacle before his people appears impossible, like we'll see, we'll have two million Israelites. Can you imagine? Two million of them, and yet before him lies this body of water, the Jordan, and it looks impossible to cross. It's like, how in the world are we going to cross this? But no obstacle is able to overcome the Lord. All things are possible with God. Chapters 3 and 4 deal with the Israelites crossing the Jordan River. The emphasis that we see here is not simply the fact that they crossed the Jordan, but rather the manner in which they crossed the Jordan. And, and it's emphasized by the, 
these uh, stones of memorial that uh, were placed in the river and also outside of the, the river, it really memorialized the wonder or the miracle of God, what He did for His people. And like I said, each one of you, each one of us, has a river that rivers that we have crossed, and we've seen how it is that God's hand has moved us and brought us across, and still rivers that lie before us, our Jordan, so to speak. And we need to be reminded of how it is that God has been faithful in our lives in the past and how He can get us across still yet one more to get us to that place that He desires for us to be. So never think for one moment that anything is impossible with God because with God truly all things are possible. With His leading, with His guiding, with His presence... And if it's God's will, then it's not just possible, but it's absolutely necessary. This evening, we'll learn how the Israelites were in one place physically, but are now being commanded to go across by God into another land, into the promised land itself. Remember that they've been wandering for 40 years. One generation has passed because of their unbelief. They were stiff-necked people, and, and so they didn't make it. But here we have this next generation that's ready to go across. There's one thing holding them back, as I keep saying, is that river, an overflowing river. This, is, this was a time of harvest. And so at this point, the Jordan River was not just flowing swiftly, but it was overflowing its banks. It was, it was full all the way through and through. So it wasn't small. It wasn't moving slowly. It was very pot, uh, powerful. And it would be impossible to cross without the Lord. And I'm saying this because we will realize this evening that when God tells us to be ready to cross an obstacle that seems impossible, He will always make it possible for us to cross at the time when He tells us to cross. And we shouldn't skip a beat. We should just, at the moment He tells us to go, we we should go. And when He makes the impossible happen, then you are to acknowledge his work and give him the glory and tell others about how he did this work. I pray that you are encouraged as you learn how the Lord brought the Israelites through the Jordan River and into the Promised Land. Three principles in these chapters were to number one, sanctify for God's purpose and plans, number two, submit to God's leading, and number three, memorialize God's accomplishments. If we remember those simple things, As we continue down this path with the Lord, uh, we will do well. We will do well as believers. Now, I'm sure that there was great excitement in the camp of the Israelites. I mean, just imagine, they're on the threshold of the promised land. They're they're just across from there. They've they've been waiting for this for many years as they've been delivered from from, uh, Egypt and the oppression there and slavery. Um, 40 years have passed, and now they're at the point where they're about to cross into the promised land. No doubt there is great excitement in the camp. Now, it was the next day after Joshua had received the good report from the two spies that had gone into Jericho. You guys remember that they had come back. It's the next morning, and that's what we have before us. And this is when he brings all the Israelites to the shores of the Jordan River. And let's take, take a look and see what happens at that point, starting in chapter 3, verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. 
At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went, and went before the people. So they're preparing to go across. Now keep in mind, Moses had just died. Joshua had just assumed leadership of the Israelites. He had been uh, ordained by God, identified as he who it was to succeed um, Moses. Um, he had sent out a couple of spies to go into the promised land, specifically Jericho or especially Jericho. And um, as they came back, they came back with this really encouraging word that everyone on the other side of the Jordan was in fear of the Israelites and the God of the Israelites. And now after three days of preparing their provisions and hearing from the spies, Joshua gets up early in the morning, first thing in the morning, and leads them to the shores of the Jordan River. Now, one of the things as we see here as Joshua brings them closer to the, the, the Jordan, this was the closest they, that they had ever been to the land that God had promised them. Again, for 40 years they had been wandering in the wilderness, but now they had to wait another three days before the officers gave the order to be ready, to mobilize, to move, to advance. They had three days to look at this river from a close distance. It was one thing for two spies to cross over, but we are now talking about millions of people crossing with all of their belongings. And, and I'm, you have to wonder, what were they thinking, right? Here Joshua, their leader, the one who was now their, their commander, has brought them to the shores of the Jordan, but it was overflowing. What, what are we to do? Are we to wait here for an extended period of time until the water goes down? That could be a long, long time. Do we look for another way across? Perhaps there's some shallows up the river. Or, you know, what, what do we do? But they waited. They waited on the Lord. Oftentimes when we see the word waiting on the Lord, what's another word that we can use in place of waiting, which is appropriate and is actually fitting in many cases? What does it mean when we read, we shall wait upon the Lord? When you wait, you wait expectantly. Why? Because there's great hope in the Lord, right? That's not something that lacks faith. But oftentimes we're looking for just some direction. Just, I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm, gonna, I'm waiting with, with, with a, a fullness in me, knowing that God is faithful. And I, I know that this is a certain hope. I know that He's going to come through. Let's see what he does, right? But I have no doubt that many of these people, knowing the Israelites and knowing people, right? They're like, wow, how in the world are we going to get across? It looks impossible, right? It's overflowing. This is like, this is strong water that's crossing before us. Perhaps maybe, and I think they also remembered how God had caused the Israelites to go across the Red Sea, as if on dry ground. 
completely dry. Can you imagine if you've ever been around um, a river or a stream, you know that once it stops flowing, there's still some time, usually quite a bit of time before the ground that it was running across is completely dry. It, it, It takes a long time. It's saturated with water. It's not just one moment to the next and, you know, you, you've got, you know, hard packed dirt there where everyone can cross. Uh, at best, you'd, you'd be walking in knee-deep sludge, you know. But what we have before us is a reminder for many of them, perhaps, that, hey, God was faithful back then when he delivered them from the hands of, of the Egyptians, how it was that he caused the Red Sea to completely dry up. And then he brought the waters back with the Egyptian army and he completely drowned them. All of this needs to be and should be coming, going through our minds as well. God's faithfulness, how, again, he's brought us through these difficult moments uh, it, when things seem impossible, how he's got us through. He's faithful. It's amazing. Sometimes we come across a, another Jordan And we throw up our hands like if it's the end of the world. Why? Why why do we do that? Why why are we so forgetful? You know, if God can do all those things that he's done in the past, why why are we going to be so anxious and stressed out and worried? And I don't know how we're going to do this. And ah, right? Why do we do that? That's for, for the child of God that has seen his faithfulness, That is nonsense. That should not be a part of that person's life. I mean, I get it. If we're new in Christ and we come to a situation and we're just, right? We're all flustered and like we don't know. And then then we see a move. Like, oh, wow. That's pretty amazing. (laughs) But as we see that more and more and more, we should be like the older seasoned saint to where it's like nothing moves me nothing at all i just talking to one seasoned saint today his name's clyde in the hospital and uh i I love meeting with these uh, brothers and sisters in christ that have been walking with the lord for a long time because i walk out of there i walk out of their hospital room feeling like they just ministered to me, you know, and I'm like, wow, that was wonderful, you know, and I'm like, wait a minute, they're the ones that are in bad shape, but it's because they know that, that, in fact, he said, this life, honestly, as I've experienced much, it really, truly has nothing to offer, nothing to offer that I that I can say, I want to cling to it. I want to cling to it a little bit more, a little bit longer. He says, I'm ready. He says, if the Lord comes today, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. So we need to remember those things. And I'm hoping that that's what was going across uh, the thoughts, you know, the, the thoughts that were crossing the minds of the Israelites as they were in this place of waiting for several days before they crossed the river. There was just no way. No, they were no way that they were getting across that river without the help of the Lord. Now, secondly, they re- did receive specific instructions on crossing the Jordan. There was no attempt by Joshua to figure out how to practically 
If you, if you think about it, and as we read through there's no implication, there's nothing that tells us that Joshua was, was trying to think, well, how practically can we get across here? Can, hey, guys, can we build some rafts and get across? You know, we have some wood, don't we? Let's, can, does it float well? You know, let's wrap it together and see if we can pull people across. He wasn't thinking like that. He wasn't looking for that. Um, it can be safely assumed that Joshua had received instructions to send the Levitical priests... Uh, carrying the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And those orders are transmitted from the officers to the people. You know, at this point, it's like, hey, listen, what we just read at that point, it's like, I, I'm not too sure exactly how we're going to get across, but um, the Ark has to go before us. What does the Ark of, of the Lord represent? God's presence right there before him. So the Lord has the Go before us, and so he sent the Levitical priests with the Ark of the of the Covenant before them. Number one, keep the Levit- the Levitical priests in the Ark of the Covenant before you at all times. Is the instructions that he gave to the people: keep a space of a thousand yards. That's ten football fields between you and the Ark. The Levitical priests, ten football fields. That's about three thousand uh, feet, a thousand yards. It's a little over a half mile, 0.56 something is the distance. So that's quite a, a, a large distance, but it's enough for 2 million people to keep the ark before them, all of them. So all of them could see exactly where the Lord was taking them. It wasn't just for one. Because if that was the case, it's like, hey, you know what? You guys, let's line up. The Ark of the Covenant is right there. You've got to be right behind it and just go right through. But it wasn't that. It could have been done like that. Just follow the person that's in front of you. See, the Lord isn't desiring that we follow the person in front of us. He's desiring that we follow Him across these Jordans. It's Him. It's His leading that was going to get them all across the Jordan River. And he also said this, Consecrate yourselves. This means that they were to separate themselves from common things in order to firmly place their focus on the Lord. You know, we are to consecrate ourselves unto the Lord. Yes, we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But when we come across the Lord and His grace and His love, how is it that we should conduct ourselves? Is it in a flippant way or should we desire to bless and glorify Him? He says to consecrate. Ready yourselves. We're about to cross the Jordan. This, this is what, what is coming is the impossible. This miracle, this amazing thing that God wants to do in your presence and he's going to tell Joshua that he's, the, on this day, I'm going to begin to exalt you. Like, wow, that's, that's amazing. But it's for the purpose of bringing glory to the Lord. Keep that in mind. But for all the people, two million people, he's, he's saying, consecrate yourselves. Ready yourselves. That's what we ought to be as God's people, is a, a people who are consecrated, who are given wholly to the Lord and nothing else and no one else. Completely to him. And that's what they're being called to do. 
Joshua understood that this was not a matter of having a personal physical victory, but knew that it was first a spiritual battle that was to be won in the hearts of the people. If they don't believe God is with them, if they don't keep their eyes fixed on the Lord, and if they don't separate themselves wholly unto the Lord, committing and devoting themselves to Him, then the rest would be of no avail. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Not only would they never reach the other side of the river, but they wouldn't even know a rich relationship with the Lord. They wouldn't know that. And that's above all, that's what the Lord desires. Not that we just cross and are blessed physically, you know, like in this life. Oh, this is your best life now. Great. (laughs) This will be it then. If that's what he desired, then he'd say, well, this is it right here, so make the best of it. Eat, drink, and be merry. But this isn't it. They had just experienced a generation that wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because they didn't believe. The question is, is this generation any different? So he called them out. He says, consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourselves unto the Lord. He told them, hey, you've never passed this way before. So keep your distance. Make sure your eyes are focused on the Lord. He's before you. Would they trust the Lord's instructions? Joshua told them that tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. They had one day to either submit, believing God, or withdraw in unbelief. As for Joshua, his faith, he told the priest to pick up the Ark of the Covenant, uh, pick, pick it up and get staged in front of the people. Just get staged. I don't know what's going to happen at this point. Just get staged. But what would assure Joshua's success? Well, we can go back to chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, which says this. Only be strong, and this is the word of the Lord to Joshua directly. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all uh, the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good, good success. This was fresh on Joshua's mind. The word of God and these words should always be fresh on our minds. Again, these are the very things that go before us, that strengthen us, that help us through those difficult times that help us to make wise decisions, discerning decisions that bring glory to God. I definitely believe that Joshua was thinking on these things, how faithful God is in the words that he had just heard from God himself and how it is that the Lord would bring the Israelites across the Jordan just as he did years past with Moses leading across the Red Sea. So they crossed the Jordan. Verse 7, as we continue. It says, The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Keep that in mind. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Let's stop there. 
God gives Joshua further instructions. Joshua exercised faith in giving these instructions to the people and, and to the priests, moving them to the place between them and the river. Now the Lord gives Joshua a word of encouragement. He says, today I will begin to exalt you. If you say those words to the wrong person, it brings ruin. (laughs) If you say those things to the right person, and God knew that he was giving those words to the right person who was humble, who knew God and how it was that lifting Joshua up would only serve to bless and glorify the Lord and do the work that he had for him to do. And he also gave him another word of encouragement. He said to command the priests. Oh, so the word has come to me. As I, it comes to me, I'm just going to pass it along. I, I'm just the, uh, the delivery boy. I, I'm just giving you what the Lord has given me. And I know his word is certain. For the benefit of Joshua, the Lord encouraged him by telling him that today was a day that God was going to show his favor toward him before all the people. It was for a reason. Why would he do it now? Hadn't he done that before? Yeah, he had given him a word from the Lord, given him a word, uh, the Lord to Joshua. But up to this point, the fear of the people on the other side of the Jordan River was because of what had taken place with Moses crossing the Red Sea, God's provision in the wilderness. All of what he did for them was, was all a part of the leading of Moses through the wilderness and across the Red Sea. God was doing this for the sake of Joshua to confirm the call that God had on Joshua to lead the Israelites across the Jordan and into the promised land. And so God told Joshua to command the the Levitical priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant to walk into the Jordan and stand still. Just go into the Jordan and, and just stand still in the Jordan. Put your feet in there with the Ark of the Covenant. In your hands. In verse 9, it says, And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing. And the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So, not that it'll come to a trickle and maybe be diverted and going to different areas of the land. No, no, no. He said, the waters will stand in a heap. In other words, there's going to be a wall of water in the distance. Joshua believes God and gives instructions to them as from God to the people. Number one, Joshua was simply relaying what God had said. If it didn't happen, then Joshua would have been the fool, right? And the people would know that he wasn't God's man chosen to lead them. But God had a purpose in this. It was for the sake of his people ultimately. But ultimately, beyond that, in in Joshua being their leader and being accepted as their leader, 
and, and, and all that happening is ultimately for the glory of God. Secondly, Joshua said this is how they would know that they will be able to drive out those who were before them. So it was, if God does this, then know that he's going to drive out all the people from before you as we cross the Jordan. If, if, this, if this happens, and it's going to happen, just know, he, if he has the power to do this, he has the power to take out everyone from before you. O ye of little faith. Sometimes we see God's hand moving, and then we come across something else, and we, we doubt. Don't we, we doubt. That's why I'm saying for the child of God, who has experienced so much, and seen his hand move in so many different ways, why do, we, why do we keep doubting him? We shouldn't doubt him. God's presence is going into the waters before them. And Joshua said, the water will stop flowing. Joshua's perspective of the situation was refreshing and encouraging. We're here. This is what's going to happen. And as it happens, just know that this needs to give you reassurance that no one can stand before the Lord. No one. The impossible situation was not viewed as a trial. They weren't to deem themselves as victims, but rather an opportunity to see God do a work that would bring Him glory. We have too much of the victim mentality. Oh, woe is me. We need, to, we need to be the strongest people on the face of the earth. Uh, situations, can you imagine if, if all the, 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 the disciples, the apostles, they had this victim mentality, oh, woe is me. Uh, I'm a child of God. I should deserve much more than this. Right? No, they did, they did not. They did not at all. They did not feel that way. They knew that as the apostle Paul you know, understood to live as Christ, to die as gain. If anyone could have, like, just kind of compromised a little bit and gone back into uh, just to his old ways and just avoided all of this grief, you know, as being known as someone of the way, it was the Apostle Paul. He knew how to play it, play the religious card. He could have gone down that path, but he didn't. He did not compromise. And thus he saw... Much trial, much persecution. And he's the one that said, and you guys know a couple of my favorite verses, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Right? So, these rivers in your life, do you see them as opportunities to bring the Lord glory? Do you understand that if these are issues that are addressed by God and commanded by God for you to cross, resolve, and conquer, that He is with you and He will get, get the glory as you do cross them? There are fears of many things. Relational issues that you have failed to deal with. Idolatry issues that you have not repented of. Pride issues, faith issues. I mean, just go back to the Word of God. Apply the Word of God. Trust in the Lord. He'll get you through those times. 
Just apply the word of God. He will get you across those difficult circumstances, situations. He'll bless you in the process. And he'll glorify himself through you. <clears throat> verse 14, as we continue crossing the Jordan, we see God's wonders. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, and those flowing down toward the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. They were there for a while. Uh, for two million to cross the Jordan, they were there holding that Ark of the Covenant for quite some time. So crossing the Jordan, seeing God's wonders, it happened just as God had told Joshua and Joshua told the people. From a thousand yards, the people anticipate what will happen when the priests of the Ark of the Covenant, holding the Ark of the Covenant, walk into the water. So they walk in just into the shallows. They, they start walking in, and the water starts to recede. Imagine that. Where's, where's the water going? It's flowing down. You know how par- powerful just a small river is? Have you ever tried to go across something that, ah, yeah, I can go across. It's only about knee deep, right? Have you ever done that only to realize that, wow, like just that amount of water is trying to pull me down because it's swift, it's powerful. I, I have great respect for, for water. And so we know that if it can happen with knee deep, waist deep, you know, it'll take you down. Um, this was overflowing, but as soon as, as soon as these priests walk into the water, into the river, the water starts drawing back. Notice several important things here. Number one, the priests exercised faith. They were obedient to what Joshua had told them, but they exercised their own faith. If they didn't have any faith whatsoever, it'd be like, there's no way I'm going into that water. You're crazy. I mean, there's no way. It's not like the Jordan is shallow anyway, but it's overflowing right now, Joshua. No, they were, they were exercising faith as well. They were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. They stood as on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. Number two, the people all passed over on dry ground. The water stopped and it was overflowing its banks. There was no evidence of any passage until they stepped into the water. They had to step into the water before that water began to recede, began began to withdraw and, and go back into this heap. Not only did the water stop, but it also was completely dried by the Lord. It was the Lord that cleared the way for Israel, the Israelites and gave them a victorious crossing, fulfilling His word that He had given to Joshua, being able to pass over and into the promised land. This was it. What a glorious, what an amazing crossing, isn't it? It's like, it wasn't just, okay, 
So we've come. We've come to the threshold of the promised land. There it is. Hey, everyone. It's time. The time has come. Let's go ahead and cross and go into it. <laughs> it's like sometimes when the Lord has before us something, a place that He desires to get us across and into, we have these Jordans. It's like, hey, let's, we need to really exercise some faith here to, to, to cross and go into uh, this place that God desires, uh, desires us to be in. It's not going to come easy. You know, too often I hear Christians say, well, you know, I'm just looking for, for these open doors. Oh, you look hard enough for these real easy open doors and you'll find them. Why is that? Why? Because if you're looking for signs and wonders like that, like just the easy life, guess who gives you and, and wants you to have an easy life right now? Like enjoy this one, like cling to this life. Love this life so much that, that you'll, you'll dismiss and turn your back on the Lord. Who, who wants to do that? The enemy, the devil. Just relish in this life. Oh, just hold on to it, man. What rivers? Oh, man. That obstacle right there is all designed to actually keep you from doing what really brings you happiness. Really? Huh. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. In other words, come to a place of maturity. Oh, I, I, love, I love having mature brothers and sisters in the Lord. Why? Because they're the ones that encourage me. They're not the ones that say, yeah, go ahead and quit. Go look for something else. They're the ones that come alongside and they say, no, you need to stand up in the truth. You're wrong. You're wrong. And that is not the way you're supposed to be going. That's a true friend. That's a mature Christian. One that's gone through those trials has been tested as if through fire and has, been, has come to a place of being a little bit more pure in the Lord, reflecting His character. I love those brothers and sisters in the Lord. There's, there's not very many. But those that do come alongside, and they, they'll come along you, alongside you. Cling to them. Hold on to each other. Put those shields up together and continue to, to advance. Now here was this, this Jordan before them. It was the Lord that cleared the way for Israel and gave them a victorious crossing, fulfilling His word that He had given to them and bringing them across into the promised land, and now He has. The Ark of the Covenant was mentioned 14 times in these 17 verses. 17 verses in this chapter, 14 times the Ark of the Covenant was mentioned. The Ark of the Covenant, as I said before, uh, signifies and illustrates the presence of the Lord. The Lord went before them. He's the one that will get us across our Jordans as He got the Israelites across the Jordan and into the Promised Land. Has anyone sincerely lived according to God's Word and been disappointed? I, I haven't. I haven't. The only time I've been disappointed was when I've tried to do things in the flesh instead of according to the Spirit, according to God's Word. The cross... 
uh, to cross the, the impossible river. The people were, number one, to keep the presence of the Lord before them. Secondly, to stay focused on the Lord leading them. And thirdly, completely devote themselves to the Lord. And then act on the instructions of the Lord and walk where they hadn't walked before. That's what they needed to do. And God was faithful to get them across. But then we have these memorial stones that were to be set up. Chapter 4, verse 1 As we continue, when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. That's in Gilgal. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. A memorial forever. And then verse 8. A couple more verses here. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. According to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. Memorial stones outside the river and within the river. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy 31. This is a good reminder as we go back, and I just want to read through. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 1, says, So Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord had said to me, You shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. The Lord will do to them as he did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you. And you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you. Or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for ye shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and ye shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And then verse 23. And the Lord commissioned Joshua the son of Nun and said, Be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to give them. I will be with you. Oh, he was with them. He was before them. 
And at this very moment, what the Lord had told them was going to happen, happened. And they are now in the promised land. The very place that God had promised them. These are the words that were given to Joshua by Moses. These are the words that were given to Joshua by the Lord. And these were the words that came to fruition. Memorial stones are items that the Israelites were to use in order to remember God's faithfulness for themselves and for their children. The 12 tribes had 12 representatives pick up 12 stones to set up in a pile in Gilgal where they were camping out. But Joshua also laid 12 stones himself in the midst of the Jordan River to serve as a memorial. The question is, why in two places? You know, in the midst of the Jordan. Remember that the water came back and overwhelmed the stones that, they, that were stacked in the middle of the, of the Jordan. So why put them in that? No, no one's going to see those stones, right? Well, not at the moment. Not at the moment. Because number one, it was to remember how the Lord worked in the lives of his people as he faithfully brought them across and into the promised land. Secondly, to remember not only in the days of plenty, but also in the days of drought. You see, in the days of drought, the water would recede and it would go down and the 12 stones in the midst of the river would be on display. Oh, what a wonderful reminder of God's faithfulness. How it is that with God, all things truly are possible. Nothing's impossible for the Lord. And how often we need to be reminded in those times of drought, those times when we feel like we're just down and out, like things are too difficult, how, how it's at those times that we need those reminders of God's faithfulness, how He's there always. We need to see those memorial stones as the waters draw down, they recede, and there's great drought in our own lives. Oh, the great things that the Lord has done. Oh, how good and faithful He is. Those are the things that we ought to think about at those times. And then verse 11, as we continue, the nation of Israel passes over in a hurry, right? The people, uh, second part of verse 10, the people passed, passed over in haste, Quickly, And when all the people had finished passing over, the, the, the ark of the Lord and the priest passed over before the people. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel. As Moses had told them, about 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him, just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priest bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest, Come up out of the Jordan. And when the priest bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. You know, it's wonderful as we, we also see how it was that, um, you know, the, the tribe of uh, the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh had p- passed over armed, and, and they were being faithful to what they had promised that they would make sure that they would secure the land for the rest of the tribes before they came back to their own lands that were given to them. And they set up. They were ready for war. These, these guys were, were warriors. 
in the plains of Jericho. <laughs> can you imagine? Now Jericho can see them. Oh, here they come. They just crossed the Jordan. And uh, I saw how they crossed the Jordan. I heard of times in the past how it was that they were delivered from the hand of Pharaoh and the Red Sea was parted and they crossed over as on dry land. But can you imagine a, a, a few people, any smart leader, commander, soldier, army, will send out scouts. Like, you know what, keep an eye on these guys. I, I don't want them, our hearts are already melting, you know, out of fear. Keep an eye on them. Can you imagine them, them bringing back word to Jericho? They just crossed, right? And the way they crossed, I mean, it parted again. There it goes again. And they all crossed as if on dry ground. In the ark of the Lord, it's with them. It's, it's there. It's all there. Well, they were there. They had crossed. The nation of Israel passes and the flow returns. First of all, we see how the people crossed uh, in haste. So fast, they quickly, okay, it's, it's open. The Lord made a way. Don't waste any time. Just get across. Don't test them. Just get across. And they, they all crossed quickly. Second, God exalted Joshua that day just as he said he would. Third, God resumed the flow of the river. As if the miracle of the Israelites having passed over on dry ground wasn't enough. As soon as the priest walked onto the natural dry bank of the river, the river started to flow again. I, what, what does that do to your faith? Right? The Israelites, two million of them, they, they crossed as if on dry ground. They saw the heap, well, part of the two million, I, I would expect, saw the wall of water, if not all of them. But then they saw it like, boom, it's back. As soon as the priest came back onto what would naturally be dry ground, it just started flowing again. Just absolutely amazing. This is where the Lord faithfully kept his word to Joshua and the people were ready to follow him as commander. As commander-in-chief. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. This is definitely uh, the man who the Lord um, chose and we're ready to follow him wherever. Wherever. However. Because we know that he's listening for the Lord. We have a twofold memorial for the people of God and for the world is what we have as we come to a close. The people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal, and he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for, his, for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Hmm. Twofold memorial. Serve God's people and the world. Number one, for the people of God, it was important to know the reason for this memorial. It was to serve as a monument to God's 
monumental love for His people, His faithfulness. And this monumental love is to be passed along to future generations, to tell our children. God is absolutely amazing. Just I was thinking about the, just the testimony of Jeremy, you know, how it is that that, that is like a memorial stone. That, that's one of those things to where I give all the glory to the Lord. If we realize that no matter where we're at, remember that, you know, our, our righteousness, our, our, our best day, it's like this dirty garment before a righteous and holy God. So nothing we offer is good. And, and we've all fallen short of God's glory, His standard. Not His righteous, no, not one. So when we know what we've been, been delivered from, and we look back and we thank God for getting us across, across into this place of being forgiven and knowing God's grace, simply by asking for forgiveness and, and, and having faith in the Son of God, that He died for me, rose again on the third day, and today live. He's, he's my God who's alive. To know that He has done the impossible. There's no way that I could have done it in my own strength. In the flesh, I could not have done it. He had to have done it, and He did. He said, it is finished, it is done. It is paid in full. He did it. We rejoice, and that's a memorial. Our testimony should be a memorial to what God has done in our lives. Oh, you've, you've brought me into this place of having certain hope, of forever being in your presence. The moment I close my eyes on earth is the moment, like that moment, I am in your presence. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Oh, how glorious. This is, this is a memorial. And it should, those things that we have in our lives that we can look to and say, God got me through this. It should serve as a memorial to the Lord, to His glory. And help others get through what they're going through as well. But number two for the world, to know that the God of the Israelites is mighty. And that by looking to your faith, they would see your fear, your reverence, your belief of Him and that would bring him glory. So they should look at what the Lord's done for his people and bring glory to the Lord. Why is it important for this to be known? Why is it important that they cross the Jordan in a specific manner? Why lay memorial stones when the story can just be told? Because this is to serve as an example of how the Lord can be trusted. He is perfectly faithful. And how much he loves his people and desires that the world know his might, his power, his grace, his faith, and that he is strong enough to safely get them across what seems like an impossible river to cross and into his arms. So to, to be proven faithful. You know, this is exactly how the Lord designed it to be so that as they go into the promised land, that they, they, can, they cannot say, we did it in our own strength, <laughs> by our own power, we were so smart, we just did this. No, it was just the impossible. And God got them across and into the very land that he had promised them. Just remember these things. And I know there's many applications to your own lives. And you know the specifics of your lives. And I pray that this would serve as an encouragement to you. To look to the Lord and know that he loves you with this type of love. That he is faithful and he wants to get you across what seems to be sometimes impossible circumstances.
Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, that there's, there's nothing too big for you. Lord, there should be nothing in our lives that shake us. <laughs> or nothing that um, really gets, so to speak, the best of us. Lord, if anyone, we should be the most courageous people in the world, knowing that we have nothing to lose, Lord, and everything to gain. We should just be steady, stand fast in the truth, be consecrated unto you, look for your leading in our lives. Keeping our eyes fixed on you, you will get us across. The rivers that you desire for us to get across at the time that you desire for us to cross and get through those things. May it all be to your glory. May we just simply cling to you. Thank you, Father. We give you all the praise and all the honor. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.